Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to After the Fact. Good evening, good day, good morning, and welcome to After the Fact, the weekly trivia quiz game here on Claremaris Community Radio. I'm your host, John Nolan, and thank you for joining me today, wherever you are and whatever you're doing as you listen to us. Uh, this is the fifth series of After the Fact, and in this series, each episode is about a specific country, and we will be revealing the country in a few moments' time. But let us go and meet the teams. It's a very uh, quiet studio here tonight. I have only one person to brighten my... To, to, to be uh, my inspiration is Mr. Ger Slattery on the blue team. Hello there, John. How are you doing? Two weeks in a row. I know, I'm still here since last week. <laughs> so happy I was camped. Ger at I the end. All week. So happy with the end of last week's show yeah. that uh, you wouldn't leave. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I've got a taste for it now, you see. I'm getting greedy now after having such a long break. So That's true, actually. Yeah, yeah you turned up last week for the first time in about 10 weeks. Yeah, yeah. First time since the first, uh, first yeah, night. And here you are now. Well, it's good to see you. Thank you. Let's, let's see if. Try not to be as tight with the wind tonight, oh maybe, if oh you dear. can. Anyway, Jerry's uh, teammate is joining us from uh, Dublin's fair city, although he's not from there. But let us go and say hello to Mr. Dan O'Malley. Good evening, Dan. Hello, everyone. Yeah, this is Dan. Uh, not quite Dublin's fair city, Dublin's fair suburbs, shall we say, from uh, Lucan, to be precise. And uh, how are you tonight, Dan? Uh, grand, thank you. Just... Uh, just in the door from doing the old dad taxi routine. So if I sound out of breath or slightly stressed, that's why. Was it dad rickshaw or something like that? <laughs> out of breath? No, we... Lucan's a very hilly place. So uh, you have to park your car at the top of the hill and walk down and walk back up again. Oh, all right. And okay. I had to walk in a hurry because I had to get back home soon. Right. Yes. Okay. Well, okay. Well, best of luck. I hope you get your breath back in time to answer some questions. Let's go across the table to meet the red team tonight. We have one debutante and one grizzled veteran. So let's oh, yeah. go and talk to the Grizzle veteran, a man who has been through many a battle with us. It is Mr. Michal Coyne. Good evening. Hello. I'm, I'm here solo, solo in the attic tonight um, yeah, from the, the Galway studio. That's right. We are going to call it the Galway studio at this stage. Yeah. It's no, it's, it's really weird being here on your own. <laughs> Get out the violins. I know. It's <laughs> like nobody to talk to. I, it's like it's my job here is let, let Shelley like, talk away, fill in the dead air while I stare at the ceiling. It's great. <laughs> Anyway, best of luck to you. And we go and meet your teammate, who is, as I said, making his debut this evening. And we'll greet him for the first time. His name is Mark Lynch. Mark, tell us where you're coming from. I'm uh, coming this evening from Rathfarnham in Dublin. So it's uh, the north side, south side. <laughs> <laughs> Divide. Exactly. Both red and blue. Here we go. Yeah. And I'm actually not originally from Dublin either. So it's <laughs> you, you, uh, where are you from so originally, Mark? Originally from Cork. Okay. All right. We won't hold that against him. Let's go and wish you the best of luck tonight and we'll now go and meet the final member of our team. It is, of course, our robot scorekeeper, Clancy, who is uh, going to greet us and tell us what tonight's country is. Good day, everyone. Dobry Den. Today we are off to Russia, the home of the bot who is always trying to rig the scores on After the Fact. There, the Clancy's actually got a, a very high-grade virus uh, scanner on him, so he... He's okay. Anyway, let's go and do a quiz all about Russia tonight. It's an odd number show tonight, which means we're starting with the red team. 
And uh, red team, decide there quickly if you can who will be going first. You Hit will. me because if I go second, I always get it wrong. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is round one, the multiple choice round. In this round, each player will be asked a question. They will have three potential answers. If they give me the right answer on their own, they get for their side two points. They can confer, but they will only get one point for right answer in that case. If they give it a wrong answer, it will go across the other side, who will have the remaining two uh, options, and will be able to confer for a potential one-point bonus. So we're starting with Mike on the Reds. Mike, short and sweet question here. Okay. It's very much the opposite of the one we had from China a few weeks ago. How many time zones are there in use in Russia? You've oh, got right. three options. They are A, 5, B, 8, or C, 11. It's a long, long country. I'm pretty sure it's 11. Mm. So I'm going to play it. All right. And it's good. It is right. They have 11 time zones to get their head around from one end of the, one end of the country to the other. Two points for you and two points for the Reds. Okay, across we go. Jerry, you're here, so you go first automatically for the blue okay. team. The Grand Embassy was a Russian diplomatic mission to the west of Europe in 1697 and 1698, led by Peter the Great himself. Peter used a fake name, the intention being to allow him to escape social and diplomatic events in the countries he visited. However, he'd not fool anyone of importance in any of these countries. Why? So you've got three options. They are A. Everyone in the delegation kept calling him Your Majesty. B, he was six foot eight inches tall. Or C, he kept getting drunk and telling people who he really was. Uh, it, could, it could be C, being a Russian. Uh, no <laughs> offence to the Russian, so what, Russian people. So why did Peter the Great's plan to anonymously visit Western Europe fail? Well, I'm pretty sure he was a very big man, so I think the six foot eight is probably the best guess there. So that's what you're going for? Yeah. It's correct. Yeah, he was indeed six foot eight inches tall, 2.03 metres in an era when the average height would have been somewhere around about five foot eight. Mm. So uh, very hard to pretend you're not who you famously are. Literally Peter the Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay, well done. Two points for the Blues. Right, back we go to Mark. Mark? Yeah. Here we go. This is your question. Uh, It's another Zara-related question, actually. Ivan IV, the Grand Prince of Moscow from 1533 to 47, and subsequently the Tsar of Russia, 1547 to 84. He's known in English as the, the Terrible. I'm not going to ask you that. Okay. This is an archaic translation of which Russian language word, the name by which he is known in his native land. It is also, though, the name of the capital city of a Russian republic. So which of these words is the name that Ivan the Terrible is known as in Russia? A. Grozny. B, Machkakala, or C, Kazan. So do you know which of those three words is the word by which Ivan the Terrible is known in Russia? I'm going to confer on that one. Okay, he's bringing in Mike. Oh, oh well. <laughs> uh, I don't think I can help you much. Grozny is the only one that sort of in any way rang anything remotely resembling a bell, but I, I, I have nothing behind that now, so... Yeah, I was thinking Grozny was the one I was originally kind of leaning towards. Okay. But then I was kind of going with them. Was it Machnikala? Machachkala is B. Grozny is A. Machachkala is B. And Kazan is C. Yeah. I'll go with Grozny. Grozny is good for a point. Well done. Yes, in Russian, he is known as Ivan Grozny. And the turbo there apparently really means scary. 
as opposed to the modern kind of meaning of terrible. He wasn't an awful ruler. He was just a bloody scary one. All right, final question of the round is for Dan. Daniel, which famous Russian was fatally wounded in an 1837 duel with his own brother-in-law, George Charles de Heckerin, a French officer serving in the Chevalier Guard Regiment in Russia? Apparently, George Charles had attempted to seduce the man's wife, Natalia. So who was the man in question? Was it A, Leo Tolstoy? Was it B, Alexander Pushkin? Or was it C, Anton Chekhov? Hmm. When I heard duel, I don't know, Pushkin came to mind. Um, thankfully, that was one of the choices. I know Tolstoy like died at a train station, so not him. And I think he lived to a fair old age, too. Uh, who's the third one? Chekhov. Chekhov. I don't yeah. know. I'm just going to trust my gut here. Uh, Pushkin. Is correct. Well done. Yes, your logic was actually quite flawless. Uh, Tolstoy did live to an, a very old age. In fact, I think he lived into the 20th century, Tolstoy. And uh, Chekhov is also later in the 19th century. But Pushkin is the man who died in 1837 following a duel with his own brother-in-law. OK, let's go over to Clancy and we check the scores after round number one. Blue team four points. Red team three points. So that's a high scoring round. Only one point lost so far. So let's move on to round two. This is our connections round. In this round, the team in play will be given two pieces of information. If they can tell me what links them with tonight's country, they get three points. They can ask for a third and then a fourth piece of information if they wish, but they'll be playing for two points and one point respectively at those, if that happens. If they give me a wrong answer, no matter when, four pieces of info will be offered across to the side who can have a potential one-point bonus. We'll start with the uh, red team because you're trailing. Are you ready, red team? Yes. Your first two pieces of information are... 200 kilometers an hour in the wrong lane and the 2014 Winter Olympics opening ceremony. Oh, right. Um, I think I'm going to embarrass myself here, but I think I know this one. <laughs> hey, there's no <laughs> embarrassments if you get it right at three points now. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, yeah. So we've got 200 kilometers an hour in the wrong lane and the 2014 Winter Olympics opening ceremony. Yeah. Do you, do you know this one, Mark? Please tell I, me. Don't. No. I, embarrassment is only on me, so um, <laughs> it's. I'm fairly confident that in 2014, the Winter Olympics, that tattoo played the opening thing, Majiggy, and I'm guessing that's one of the, that's an. I'm gonna say it's an album because it doesn't ring a bell as a track of theirs, and all I know is one of theirs. So, I kind of want to play tattoo. Mark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. You're, you're, yeah. You're happy? Okay. Yeah. Let's play tattoo. Uh, this is more mortifying. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mara, you are completely right, Red Team. Uh, that was indeed all to do with the Russian group uh, duo Tattoo. Uh, their first album was called 200 Kilometers an Hour in the Wrong Lane. As Michal, Ireland's greatest tattoo fan, pointed out, uh, they performed at the 2014 op- the opening ceremony of those Winter Olympics. Your third piece of information you didn't need was that the Eurovision Song Contest of 2003 which they took part in and finished third. And final clue would have really given it away, which was all the things she said, which of course is our greatest hit. All right, across we go. Ger and Dan, mm-hmm. this one's for you. <clears throat> the Vaganova Academy, that's V-A-G-A-N-O-V-A, and the Perm Theatre, Perm being like the hair treatment. Well, Vaganova mm-hmm. uh, is screaming Kirov Ballet, for some reason, I think 
was it originally <clears throat> the Vaganova Academy and then it became Kirov and now it's the Marinsky. But I have no idea. This literally means nothing to me. But it, I suppose uh, the other one being a theater, could it make sense that they're just all Perm? ballet venues in Russia? You could probably, yeah. Per, 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 Perm, that's another city over there, isn't it? Perm Theater was, was clue number two. Was Perm it? Theater. Perm Theater. And Vaganova Academy. Yeah, would it be just as simple as just going for like ballet? You know, would that be kind of. I suppose. I can't think what else it would be if it's just different venues. Yeah, I, I know Vaganova. I, I'm, I'm just associating Vaganova with the Kirov Ballet Company or whatever in St. Petersburg. Um, you already know way more than I do, so <laughs> yeah, go for it. I think, is it worth a chance? Like. <laughs> It's amazing the things that get brought out in this round, isn't it? It's amazing. Okay, will we just go for it then? Take a I chance. I'll go for it, yeah. Right. Ballet, is ballet enough? Like uh, Ballet, performance, I'm going to... Venues, like prompt? Prompt, I'm going to prompt, yes. Ballet what? Ballet, ballet, co- ballet companies. Yeah, it? that's okay. right. right. Okay. Cool. Wow, I'm very impressed with you. Ballet companies, that's yes, it. they're all Russian. That, that's it for the night, I'm done. Russian ballet companies. <laughs> I'm delegating for the rest of the night, Dan. That's all I actually know in Russia. <laughs> He's found me out early. <laughs> He's just going to kick back and lean back and put his hands behind his head from here in. Yeah, they are ba- very good. Russian ballet companies. The Vaganova Academy is is nothing to do with the Kirov, by the way. <laughs> oh, really? Because the Marinsky is coming up. Uh, oh. And uh, also oh. Bolshoi was going to be number four. And the Perm Theatre Ballet Company is another famous one. Back over we go. Red team. Can we keep up this pace? We've got first piece of info for you is Ivan Bunin, B-U-N-I-N, brackets 1933, and Mikhail Sholokov, brackets 1965. Sholokov. Right. Um, Anything, Mark? Um, I... Thinking towards maybe something related to athletics, maybe oh, okay. world record holders and Russian world record holders. I've literally never heard of these people. What's, can you spell the second one, John? Yes. S H O L O K H O V. Shalakov. Even seeing it written, seeing it written down is not helping. Um, what might you think they might be world record holders in? Um, I know Russia is pretty successful, I think, at the shot put and also the hammer. I think they're pretty strong in the two of those. I was half tempted. If this, this, is, this is awfully niche if this, John has asked two <laughs> handball at put. Um, I am inclined to ask for a third bit of info, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I say we go. Okay, okay. Yeah. This is like one of those moments when the House of Cards is about to tumble. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Ivan Bunin, 1933. Mikhail Shalakov, 1965. Boris Pasternak, brackets 1958. 1958? Yes. Right. Pasternak. Oh, okay. Right, Pasternak. Um... But that that yeah, he's not he's not known for his shot putting. <laughs> no. He's not, no, he's not. <laughs> um, he did write Doctor Shivago uh, or Shivagio, as I used to say when I was a youngster. Um, and since they're years, I would say that these probably then would be Soviet, as they would be then um, Nobel Prize winners for literature. Uh, 
would be my thinking. Not 100% sure of Pasternak won, but that would fit. I mean, I've never heard of the other two, but something tells me the third one would just be like another Soviet writer and then a year and I'll go, well, that didn't help. <laughs> so, so can we go Russian um, uh, Nobel Prize winners for literature? Is that what the, is that what the team is playing? Oh yeah, yeah sorry. I, I agree. Team, yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. It's correct right. for two points. Yes, indeed, they're all Russian winners of the Nobel Prize for Literature. Ivan Bunin, the first one to do so, 1933. Mikhail Shalikov, 1965. Then Boris Pasnak, who did, but had to turn it down on orders of the state. Well, state. And 1970, Alexander Solzhenitsyn was going to be your final clue, but you didn't need him. So that gives you two points. Right, final question of the round for the blue team. Are you ready, Blues? Mm -hmm. We have here the Krymsky Bridge, that's K-R-Y-M-S-K-Y, and a rock band founded in 1987. Hmm. The only thing I can think of, and this relates to the second clue more than the first, there is a, or there was, that maybe they're still around, I don't know, a Russian rock band called Gorky Park. Is it possible that that bridge is in Gorky Park? I don't know. It's it's a stretch, but unless you can think of any right, other Russian just, rock bands, you know, just, just Gorky, you know. Well, is Gorky a city or is it a part? Of, is it a, re, a part of Moscow? Or? Well, it was named after a, a guy, wasn't it? Um, oh, Gorky. All right. Uh, it, might, it might well be a city. I'm not sure. I I thought I think Gorky Park might be in Moscow, but there might well be a Gorky city named after the guy somewhere else. I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I've, I'm clueless here, so I'll. Do you think you want a chance at for for three? Just based on the rock band, I mean, the bridge could be almost anything, but the, again, there's not, not many Russian rock bands, and it's the right kind of era. Yeah, yeah. Like they had a, a minor hit in the US in the ni early 90s, I want to say, so will we just I think take the lunch? The ball is in your court. I think you're a, okay. you have a very, very good hunch. If I was oh, you, I'd probably, probably chance it if I was in your in your shoes. If it was ballet-related, oh, you would chance it. Uh, <laughs> I'd say go for it, Dan, yeah. Okay. You're Try going it. for Gorky Park? Yeah. Well done. Wow, yeah. wow, E, that is a good score. Well done. Three points for you. Yeah, the rock band founded in 1987 uh, are indeed Gorky Park. They've been, they broke up briefly in the late 90s, but have been together since 2005 then, so you can go and check them out. The Krimsky Bridge is basically at one end of Gorky Park in Moscow. Your third clue was a 1981 crime novel written by Martin Cruz Smith, the American author. That's called Gorky Park. And the final clue, you didn't need this either, was... The Wind of Change by the Scorpions, hmm. which mentions the aforementioned Gorky Park in its lyric. OK, so we're going to go and get the scores after that. How do they stand now? Blue team 10 points. Red team 8 points. So there you go. 10 points to 8 for the Blues. Uh, here on Clamars Community Radio, we are now moving to two ad breaks in the hour. So I'm going to go take an ad break now. I'll be back in about two minutes time. Please do not go away. Okay, you're welcome back. This is After Fact, the weekly trivia quiz game here on Clemars Community Radio. Now, after two rounds of tonight's show, all about Russia. Well, turns out everybody knows a lot about Russia in this room. And the blue team, that's Jerry Slattery and Dan O'Malley, are on 10 points. Just two ahead of the red team, that's Michal Coyne and Mark Lynch, on eight. Anyway, on we go to round three. Round three is our music round. In this round, the teams will hear some pieces of music. And they have to give me, tonight, the title and the composer 
of these four pieces of classical music. Oh dear. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, they will get a point for that and there will be two follow-up questions, each worth a point as well. A wrong answer though, we'll see it offered across to the side for a potential bonus. Right, we'll be starting with the team that's trailing. That is the red team. So red team, here is your first piece of music right now. Okay, there, there's the unmistakable piece of music. Yeah, you picked the subtle part that had, um, you know, <laughs> kind of struggled to hear it. <laughs> Tell right. me what it is. Uh, how are you doing, Mark? Um, I think I know what it is. So, so do I, but let's just go on. I want, to, I want to hear an independent observer, as they say before. <laughs> I, I, I spit out my one. I think I have, maybe I'm wrong. I think, is it the Rizitsky March? Is that what you were thinking? Oh, no, not with the... Yeah. Not with the um, Cannons? No, I don't think so. Okay, no. It, yeah. Oh, I, what do you think it is? Um, I thought it was the eighteen twelve overture because of the the cannons. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah. Just give me a second. No, no, hang on. No. Um, I'm kind of mentally. I'm picturing Andrew now, just 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 shaking his head in, in despair. Um, I think it's the eighteen twelve overture, the Tchaikovsky. Yeah. It's correct. Well done. Yes, the Radetzky March might crop up in an Austrian episode. Oh, uh, but okay. uh, not tonight, not tonight. Okay, <clears throat> point there for you. Well done. That is the Asian of Overture by uh, Peter Ilyich Tchaikovsky. Now we've uh, two questions on that for you guys. Sure. <laughs> <clears throat> They're both related to buildings. Question one: The Overture debuted in Moscow on August the twentieth, eighteen eighty-two, beside an almost finished building which also memorialised the 1812 defence of Russia. What type of building was this that took around 40 years to construct before being officially opened in May of 1883? Hmm. So, so what type of building is yeah, it? Yeah, simple as that. What type of building were, was being constructed and it was almost finished, opened a year later. Uh, the, anyway, they performed yeah. the first ever uh, performance of this tune beside it. I've got nothing, Mark. What? Do, any thoughts? Um, the only one that was coming to mind was the Kremlin, maybe. But well, the, the Kremlin sort of, I would call it a, a solar building, and it's a lot older. So um, yeah, easy in eighty-three. Sorry, did it start in eighty-three or finished? It finished in eighty-three. It was actually a year later after the performance, after and it had been forty years of building. It was opened a year mm-hmm. after the performance. The performance was in eighteen eighty-two. And the building was officially opened in May of 1883. So it was almost done. Um, well, I don't know. The obvious ones are things like, you know, is it a museum or a palace or a theatre or a religious building? Could be anything, really. Um, You're going to have to pick one of them. Yeah. Um, anything at all, Mark, that you'd kind of want to put, take a punt at? Um, maybe army barracks. I suppose oh. 1812, defending the, you know what I mean, kind of. 
Okay. The defense and... aspect of it. Okay. Okay. I've got nothing better. So you're going with like a military building? Yeah. Okay. I'm afraid that's not right. So across we go. Blues. Potential bonus here. What kind of building are we looking for? The, it was basically almost finished when they had the first ever performance of the 1812 Overture beside it. And it also memorialised the 1812 defence of Russia from the French. What do you think, Dan? I don't know. It took 40 years to build. Yeah, it, was, it, is it memorialising. Yeah. What do you think? In Moscow, is, is it? John? it yes, it, yes, it's in Moscow, Moscow yes. Um, I don't know. I, I can't help thinking it's a church because... You know, yeah. church is obviously very ornate and they it's, often take very long to build. Yeah. Would you have a church memorialising, you know, a battle or a it war? Probably, it could know. well be a mausoleum kind of, you know. or um, You know, it could be. Um, there would be some ornate it's, uh, it, mausoleum that would take 40 years to build. You know, but, you know the, the, yeah, I mean, the ornate one, you know, the one, the, you know, the, what's the, the basils, is it? But that that was, that's going way back to mm. Ivan the Terrible, I think. So it's, it could, I don't think it's that. I can't think of any other churches. Like. So... I need an answer off you guys. It's only a bonus. I think we're going kind of more religious. We're going church, mausoleum, or... Well, you're going to have to... Even in that, you'll have to pick one of them now. They're two very different buildings. Okay. So which one are you going for? If you are going for one. Where is Lenin, um, Dan? (laughs) Where is Lenin? (laughs) He's he's in in some sort of mausoleum, isn't he? I'm just trying to think. Would it be the same building? I don't know. Or is that a special one for him? I don't, I don't see why it'd be 40 years building. Again, I just go for church because it's yeah, yeah, church. bigger. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you're going for church. It takes a long time to build a church. It took a long time to get to this answer. You're going for church. Okay, go on. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was a cathedral called Christ the Saviour, you see. They said that Christ had saved them from the French, so they built a cathedral in the honour of that okay. act. Uh, back to the Reds. Another question okay. of a similar... Well, it's about a building again. Tchaikovsky was the first Russian composer to travel outside the country to promote his music. Indeed, on a visit to New York City, he conducted a performance of this piece at the dedication of which famous venue there? Oh, it has to be uh, Carnegie Hall. Carnegie yeah, Hall. Yeah, I'll take that right there. Well done. was indeed the opening of Carnegie Hall. Okay, now, blue team, here comes your piece of music, your first one. Same as before, we'll want the piece of music and the name of the composer, please. Right, that's fading away there. So tell us, blue team, what's that called and who's it by? I know I think I have half a notion. Mm-hmm. Um, let me put this out there. I think it might be Flight of the Bumblebee. Mm. I think that's by Rimsky Korsakov. Does that ring any bells at all? Wow, you have more knowledge than me. I'm afraid. <laughs> I, I've heard, I've, I mean, I've heard the tune before, obviously, but I haven't a clue. I haven't a clue of the piece, I, but it sounds good. I've heard, I've heard of Rimsky Korsakov. I've heard, I've heard of it. Bit kind of you know, it sounds like a bee flying it, around the I, place. I, exactly, you took the words out of my mouth. All right, so is that what you're going for? Yeah, absolutely, go for it, yeah. Dan. All right, it's correct, well done. Now you have two subsequent questions on that. For much of his life, Rimsky-Korsakov combined his composition and teaching of music with a career in which branch of the Russian military? I don't know, I don't know anything about him, Dan. Neither do I. 
branch of the military. I mean, I take your pick. Is it the army? Is it the navy? Mm. Too early for the air force or anything like that. Or is it something more specialized? Was he a spy? Uh, uh, I, I really have no idea. Um, you don't answer about his background or anything like that. No. Was he a common man? Was he rich or whatever? No idea. No idea. Um, I don't know. I would possibly go for an inkling. I would go for the navy, but I don't know why. What so? It's a, it's a shot in the dark, is it? Try Navy, John. Mm. Well, now that was a good oh, well shot in the dark. Well done. Yes, he was a naval officer. Well done. And your final question. Bit of a quiz classic, this one. Rimsky Korsakov was a member of which famous grouping of composers, along with Mili Belakirev, Cesar Kui, Madis Mazursky, and Alexander Borodin? Uh, hey, there's, a two, there's actually three potential answers to this, the three different names, but they're the same group. So, what were they called? Well, it's something like the group of five, isn't it? Yeah, it's the something, five, something five. Like it's like it's like it's like famous five. But it's not famous <laughs> five. Fam- it's like it's like uh, which one that was Timmy the I dog? Just, I just called yeah, the yeah. gang of five or the group of five. Yeah, I think it could be as simple as that. It's definitely five. Uh, of them, like, it, 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 yeah. It's how specific. Do we there are five either? of them, as I just said. Yeah. A group of five. I don't know if it's as simple as a group of five now, or the great five. It already sounds. It already sounds cooler in Russian. In fairness. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Um, oh gee. Uh, Will we just go with that? So I, uh, there's a couple of answers here. One of them is two <coughs> words. They're both. There's two words. Two words are three oh. words. Uh, great five. Famous five. The big five. Big you know. five. Fantastic five. <laughs> um, I think I'll just put you out of your misery. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> you really are dancing around the head of the pin here, unnecessarily. Yeah. Okay, so group of five. Then. Group of five. Oh uh, okay. well, I'll, I'll give you that. They're the five. They were literally called the oh, five. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Or, or the mighty handful, which is my favourite name for them. Okay. Or boringly, the new Russian school, which that's crap. That one. Right. Okay. So here comes the next piece of music for the red team. Are you ready, Reds? Here it is. Okay, there we go. Reds. Well, I'm pretty sure I know where it's where I know it from. Me too. <laughs> um, okay. Okay, so it's what's his face, Prokofiev. Uh, I think, and I'm going to go for Montagues and Capulets. Oh yeah, very oh, good. Man, well done. For once, Jer knew that one, yeah. and he's really gutted that you yeah, actually got it on him. Oh, sorry, Jer. <laughs> Okay, two questions on that. TV show, TV show, TV show. <laughs> For which ballet that ultimately made its debut performance in 1938 did Prokofiev have composed this piece of music? Was it just called Romeo and Juliet? I think it was. Uh, Romeo and Juliet? Yeah, oh. exactly. Well done. And number three, in which 1936 composition by Prokofiev is the title character portrayed by a string quartet, his grandfather by a bassoon, 
The duck is performed by an oboe and the cat is performed by a clarinet. I think I know this one. Go on. What? The Peter and the Wolf, I think. It is, yeah. Yes, it is. Well done. Okay. Good scoring there. Now, final piece of music is for the blues. And we go back over to you guys. Okay, so what's that piece of music? And who composed it, please? Not a clue, Dan. <laughs> I'm afraid uh, again, not. Uh, again. Yeah, another famous piece of music. Again, I can yeah. picture a handful of movies it's been used in, but yeah. uh, as to who composed it. I haven't a clue. I mean, there must be one of the big names that uh, Probably one we of haven't the, already. One of the five. Which one hasn't been named? Mussorgsky or... Um, <laughs> I don't know. But sure, we, we don't know the name of it either, so... I don't know. That's the thing. Mm. Yeah, I think we'll just, just let them have it. Rather okay. Than kind of give a half answer yeah. that we, might we, help them. Yeah, yeah. You are passing that over to the Reds. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think a half answer would help, to be honest. I, <laughs> you know the way you pick up a classic album when you're youth and it says, on the end it says, like, you know, as known in, like, the BT advert or, or whatever, <laughs> this is one of those theme from a certain TV show. And for the life of me, I can't remember what the rest of it was. So I can tell you the TV show, but that's no good. No. Have you anything, Mark? It sounded more modern. And I was thinking the only modern Russian composer I can think of is Shostakovich. But okay. as to what piece you know of music what it is, I wouldn't be 100% certain. Okay. Um, well, there's no half point, sadly. Um, I can't think of a piece now at all by Shostakovich. All right. Yeah, I've got nothing. Okay. You're, uh, well, I, I, you haven't given me a full answer, so you know you're wrong. Uh, so I won't bother playing the noise. But um, that there is the Adagio of Spartacus and Phrygia by Aram Kachaturian. Oh, right. Okay, now there's two subsequent questions on that for you guys in the blue team. Oh, God. <laughs> Kachaturian knowledge. Number one. Aram Kachaturian was born in 1903 in a city then called Tiflis. T-I-F-L-I-S. In what modern day country can that city be found? Well, the, the the name, anything ending in A-N, Dan, is screaming Armenia to me. The, just the okay. linguistics of his surname, Kachaturian. I mean, it sounds very Armenian. Like Kardashian, yeah? Well, yeah, exactly. They're, they're, I mean, they're all... <laughs> we all have to have cultural They all end in A-N. Do you know what I mean? There's <laughs> the surnames there. Like. Yeah, and that's fair enough, yeah. That's the only logic. The only thing is... Huh? John, give us the city name again. And, yeah, uh, sure. The city was then called Tiflis. T-I-F-L-I-S. Tiflis. Is that the, the only thing that gives me pause is because it just sounds an awful lot like Tbilisi, which is nowadays capital of Georgia. True, yeah. Now, they're all in the same neck of the woods, but I don't know whether you'd have names like that or names like that in, in Georgia as well as Armenia. It's, yeah, it's more Armenian than Georgian, but uh, see, Tiflis could be Tbilisi. Uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I got you. Ooh dear, this is a to- this is a toss of the coin. Do you have a coin on you? Do you want to, <sighs> do you want to flip heads or tails, <laughs> or do you feel lucky? <laughs> it just makes me think the way you know the the way the question is phrased. A city then known as blah and other then known. Yeah, okay, okay. Yerevan, yeah. which is the capital of Armenia. I don't know any other cities in Armenia, and oh. it just Tiflis just does seem to point to Georgia. Okay. Uh, 
on that know, logic, on that say. logic, as captain, I'm going to say uh, Georgia. Oh, good man, Dan. Yeah, Dan's exactly well, right. Great shout. Thank you. Tiflis was renamed Tbilisi uh, sometime in the uh, 1930s. Uh, Kachaturian was ethnically Armenian but born in Georgia. Oh, so okay. there uh-huh. you go. Both? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's phenomenal. <laughs> Third question. Kachaturian's best known and most recognisable work comes from the ballet Gayan in 1942. During this piece, as the name would suggest, the dancers display their skill in the handling of what? So his most I famous piece. Is, I was going to say, the, the, whatever about the, the piece we just heard, uh, the Sabre Dance is the, the one piece I have heard of of uh, Gatchaturian. And again, fits the question. Presume they're all dancing around, doing the Cossack thing, dance around swords and juggling them and whatever else. Makes total sense. So, <laughs> sabres? Yeah. Sabres, swords. Yeah, well done. Accepted either of them. Well done. Excellent. And it was indeed the Sabre Dance. Right, that's the end of the round and we're going to take another ad break. But... Here is the scores before we go on there. Blue to 16 points. Red to 13 points. So it's a three-point lead for the Blues and we'll be back in another two minutes' time. Please do not go away. This is After the Fact on Clamars Community Radio, our weekly trivia quiz game, with the questions this week all being about Russia. Now, after three rounds tonight, the Blue team... That is Jerry Slattery and Dan O'Malley are on 16 points, three ahead of the red team. That's Michal Coyne and Mark Lynch. On we go to the final round, round four. This is our 20 questions. In this round, the team that's in will be asked a simple trivia question. They get it right, they get a point, and they also get the next question. This can continue until at most five in a row have been answered correctly, at which point they will have to give control of the game over, but they will get a bonus sixth point for the achievement. A wrong answer at any stage. We'll see that question go across a potential bonus and the other side will get the next question as well. We go with the team that is trailing. That's the Reds. Are you ready? Red team. Yep. Yep. Okay. Number one. According to legend, around 1430, a monk named Isidore from the Chudov Monastery inside the Kremlin made the first recipe for which drink, traditionally made by distilling the liquid from cereal grains or potatoes that have been fermented? Right. Bart, is this vodka or is this something more complicated? <laughs> I'd say vodka. Let's play vodka. Yes. I didn't even start the clock. It's question one after all. Right, number two. Which Russian mystic and self-proclaimed holy man who befriended the family of Tsar Nicholas II later became the subject of a song by Boney M? Ra-ra Rasputin. Yes, indeed. Rasputin. Rasputin. Number three. Which Russian-born American novelist, poet and translator achieved international prominence after he began writing in English? He is particularly known for his controversial 1955 novel, Lolita. Oh, um, what's his name? Nabokov? Wasn't it Mark? Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Nabokov is correct. Vladimir Nabokov. Okay, number four. Officially known as the Cathedral of the Intercession of the Most Holy Theotokos on the Moat, it's also unofficially known as the Cathedral of Vasily the Blessed. By what name is this Moscow church much better known to the outside world? Oh, that'd be St. Basil's. Yes, it is. And you're flying. And that's I've been in there, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's handy. All right, number five, sport question. Which flat handicap horse race in Great Britain Open to horses aged three years or older is run at Newmarket each October. Its name, an anglicised version of his title, 
was given in honour of the later Tsar Alexander II after he donated £300 to the Jockey Club in, 19, in 1839. I think Newmarket is the Guineas, isn't it? I think that that's where the, the two Guineas races, the 1000 and the 2000 Guineas are. Yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't make sense here, though. So what, well, it's a flat race, so that rules out your, your, your Grand Nationals, whatever. Uh, the Derby is is the Derby. Um, that's that's, not, that's not Newmarket anyway, definitely. Okay. Um, so I'll read the question one more time. Which yeah. flat handicap horse race in Great Britain, open to horses aged three years or older, is run at Newmarket each October? Its name, an anglicised version of his title, was given in honour of the later Tsar Alexander II after he donated £300 to the Jockey Club in 1839. Alexander II. And you've got 20 seconds left. Ten seconds, please. Anything at all, Mark? No, I can't think. Just the only one that I can think of. Guineas is definitely, new, I think, is new, Mark, but I just can't think of any other race. October seems to be a quiet time for race. Okay, time is up, so an answer or nothing, please. Got nothing. Okay, we'll pass that over. Blue team, you're getting the next question, but you might get in here. What do you think, Jer? Dan? Horse racing at me. No, me neither. Where's, can't even where's take the same a plausible Led- guess. Where's the St. Ledger? I don't know, but listen, go for that. We've got nothing else. Is that, you know, there's the 2,000 guineas, 2,000 guineas or whatever. Is, I don't know, that's two specific. Okay. They're two different races. It's, not it's only a bonus now, so let's not take, uh, I can't give you two more, too long. The Saint is probably kind of putting me off there. She doesn't go for St. Ledger again. We've okay, got let's try, try St. Ledger. St. Ledger, okay. No. I'm afraid not. It's the Cesarevich Handicap. Oh, okay. No, Basically, heard. the title of the... Uh, Prince under the Tsar, the heir to the throne. He was the Tsarevich. And this is what that's called. Except that race. English, the Tsarevich. All right. Your question now, blue team. Originating in mid-19th century Russia, which dish, named after a prominent noble family, is a, was originally made up of sautéed pieces of beef served in a sauce with smetana, a Russian sour cream? What's the name of that, that dish? Beef stroganoff? That the one I'm thinking of? Yeah, it's got to be like. Yeah, it's strong enough. Sounds like it could be a surname, and it's it, it, certainly it, it, a creamy, beefy dish. Yeah, it has to be beef. It beef strong, strong enough. enough. Beef strong enough. Good yeah. right. yes. Well done. Okay, size so a level at the moment. Let's go on. Next question: The modern Russian alphabet consists of 33 letters. Unlike in English, E is not the most frequently used letter. So please tell me what is. Silence has descended. I'd be, I'd be hesitating to, towards ah for some reason. Yeah, that would be my inkling as well. I'd, I'd assume it's it's a, probably a vowel as well. And I suppose A is the other, in English anyway, the uh, next highest one. And I'm just trying to think of some Russian words. And, yeah, uh, even so many names Russia, and places. Russia and, itself uh, has an A in it. Um, no, it could, to be honest, it could be any of the vowels. But yeah, yeah. I just... Anyway, the same inkling. Listen, will we go for it? We don't know it, so we'll try. We'll try. Ah, you'll try the right answer. Correct. Nice. Yeah, it's used. Would you believe it? In eleven point one eight percent of all Russian words. Ah, yes. The letter A. Okay. Next question. Gold from Igor Denisov and Konstantin Zirianov captured the two thousand and seven two thousand and eight UEFA Cup for which club? The last Russian side to win a European competition. I think it's Zenit St. Petersburg, Dan, is it? Do you remember them winning a European trophy? 
not particularly. Yeah, um, I think Zenit made a breakthrough. It's okay. not Spartak so not, didn't. Not Spartak Moscow, it's no. not CSK. Um, um, I think it's Zenit St. Petersburg then. Go for it. Go for yeah. it. Zenit, Zenit St. Petersburg. It's correct, Jar. Okay. Well done. Yeah, that's well done. right. Okay, your next question. In the early hours of the morning of the 17th of July, 1918, the last Tsar of Russia, that's Nicholas II again, and his family were executed by Bolsheviks at the Ipatiev House in which city, the fourth largest in Russia? Yeah, I think I know this. Um, Yekaterinburg, does that ring a bell? I really don't have a clue. Yeah, it trust you on this. out the back end of beyond. <laughs> Yekaterinburg, I think, is where they were pursued and... They tracked them down there, you know. It's not ringing a bell. Did you say it was the fourth largest city? It is the fourth largest city in Russia, this answer, yes. Jeez, that's kind of making me a bit nervous about it. But I've, I've always associated with the downfall of the Romanovs and, and their, their, where they were caught was Ekaterinburg. All right, so, is that what you're saying? So, trust yeah, your gut. I think I'll have to trust my gut mm-hmm. on this, Dan. So, Ekaterinburg, John? Okay. I always go with the oh, hunch, no. and it's right. Yes, Ekaterinburg. Okay. Okay, that was a fourth in a row. So, this is for the five. What is the name of the heated metal container traditionally used to heat and boil water in Russia? Since the heated water is typically used to make tea, many of these devices have a ring-shaped attachment around the chimney to hold and heat a teapot filled with tea concentrate. What's the name of that device? I think it's a samovar, isn't it? That's uh, when I think of Russian tea urns. I think more like a teapot than a kettle. What John describes sounds a bit like a kettle, but I think they're it's all the same kind of thing. Boil the water and then in it and then... Plunk the tea in it. Sounds good, Dan. All right, Samovar. Oh, yes. All right. Good for two well points. Well, well done. done. Well done. And that leaves <clears throat> five ahead now. Well done. Okay, across we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, red team, you're back in. Which very famous Russian author first achieved literary acclaim in his 20s with his semi-autobiographical trilogy Childhood, Boyhood and Youth and then Sevastopol Sketches in 1855, which is based on his own experiences in the Crimean War. Who was that? That is not... That is not ringing bells. Crimean... Um... Can I get those... those? Yeah, uh, so they were... Yeah. His first three works were semi-autobiographical. Childhood, Boyhood and Youth. They were released between 1852 and 56. And also in 1855, he released Sevastopol Sketches, which is based on his own experiences in the Crimean War. Hmm. Uh, struggling to think of who would be actually even alive or not alive or writing or it seems the wrong age for a lot of the things you've got 20 seconds I'm just thinking yeah um, that's probably wrong now but I'm just for some reason I think you know War and Peace does not have to do with Crimea as well, so it could be... Okay, I need an answer now. Three seconds. Let's, let's play Tolstoy then. You're yeah, playing sure. Tolstoy. Well, there you go. That's how you do that. That's correct. Okay. Yes. It was the man himself, Leo Tolstoy. He, as a young man, served in the Crimean War. Okay, so you're still in reds. Next question. What is the name for the set of wooden dolls which separate top from bottom to reveal a smaller figure of the same sort inside, which has, in turn, another figure inside of it, and so on and so forth to infinity? What is the name of those dolls? Well, we call them babushkas, but they're really... So, hang on, get my pronunciation right. Uh, something like mat, matryushka? Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to... 
We can say that again. That is correct. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Matryoshka Dals is correct. Right. Next question. Which professional tennis player born in Russia in 1987 has been ranked world number one in singles on five separate occasions and is one of 10 women and the only Russian to hold the career Grand Slam? Oh, yeah. The only good female tennis player in, in Russia. Yeah, Sharapova. Yes, correct. On the 25th of February, 1956, at the 20th Communist Party Congress, who delivered the secret speech which denounced Stalin's purges and ushered in a less repressive era in the Soviet Union? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, um, thank you. Thinking Khrushchev. Yeah, it would make sense. I like. I know a lot of people are from that year, but I know he had that kind of anti-Stalinist um, kind of um, how would you put it campaign afterward. It makes as much sense, I think, as as any. Let's play Khrushchev. Okay, that's correct. For five in a row. Here's one for you now. Before his death, he was officially identified only as Glavny Constructor, or the chief designer, to protect him from possible Cold War assassination attempts by the United States. Which Soviet rocket engineer and spacecraft designer directed the Soviet space program, overseeing the early successes of the Sputnik and Vostok projects before his death at the age of just 59 in 1966? I've been to the, the, the Museum of Cosmic, what's it called? Cosmonautics, cos yeah, in in Moscow, but yeah, the the spaceship stuck with me, but not the names. The 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 Soviet scientists, I have no idea. Unless you you know, Mark, I'm I'm, I'm out. Um, oh, I'm just trying to think. There's some. They, they don't. They have some name for the. There's some sort of a name for the center. I can't think what it. It. it um. There's somebody that I think it could be named after Garin, but I think that's the. I think no, it, it um, it's the center first. There's some name I can't think, but it, it I think it begins with K. But I'm just okay. You've got uh, ten seconds, I'm afraid. So need to Take push a bookmark you. if you have anything. Um, no, I can't think of him. Kaczynski. Fred is not right. So across we go. Jaron Dan, you're getting the next question, but you might get a bonus here too. What's the name of that rocket engineer? Not a clue. I've got nothing, I'm afraid. Unless the name, if, if they name anything after him, would, be, is it, would that be silly to say something like Soyuz or one of those kind of, they'd hardly name. I'm not sure. Well, Soyuz, I think literally means peace or something like that, or is All it right. near okay. unity? Or was there any, those. any later but, 1970s yeah, programs named it after him, maybe? Okay, I need a Just quick answer now, please. Russian sounding name. Uh, and Russian sounding name. Was there, was there, a footballer's name. <laughs> Salkov. Was there, was there a Salkov or something? Salkov. Paul Salkov. Johnny Salkov. That man who should be much more no, better known is Sergei Korolev. Korolev. No. All right, okay. you're in, guys. Blue team. Which city, located on the Black Sea coast, near the border with Georgia and Abkhazia, hosted the Winter Olympics in 2014, has hosted the Russian Formula One Grand Prix since 2014, and was also one of the host cities for the 2018 FIFA World Cup? Oh, this is Sochi, Dan, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. All right. That one didn't delay you too long. Sochi is correct. Next question. Which Russian figure skater, a four-time Olympic medalist, including two gold medals, and a three-time world champion, Accompanied singer Dima Balan on stage as part of the winning performance at the 2008 Eurovision Song Contest. Are you kidding me? 
to be fair to him, he has a very famous career in uh, in ice skating. Oh, Hence, I was ready for your 2008 Dima Bilan question. Well, there you go, Dima Bilan in the questions. So yeah, there, that's, I think that's we all were. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> not, I mean, I can uh, picture the guy, kind of blondie, skinny bloke. But yeah, that's exactly what he looks like. Dan has him. Not a clue. So which Russian figure skater, a four-time Olympic medalist, including two goals, a three-time world champion, 2001, 2003 and 2004, accompanied singer Dima Balan on stage as part of the winning performance at the 2008 Eurovision Song Contest. I think you should just say the same surname you did last time. Ah. <laughs> what's, the, what's the Russian equivalent for Murphy or O'Brien? Yeah. <laughs> Murfsky. Vladimir Murfsky. <laughs> okay, Murfsky. <laughs> That's the wrong noise. Okay, so across we go, Reds. Uh, we're we're in luck here because this is this is one of my my better halves. Um, fam- fav- favorite Eurovision performances. Right. Um, I can't remember his name. I think Plushenko, I think, is his surname. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That deserves several bells because that's such a good answer. Wow. Correct. Evgeny Plushenko. Hey, he's the blonde fellow. He's the thin blonde fellow. Right? Yeah. Oh no, Dan had him described perfectly. Yeah, yeah. perfectly. Tall, skinny, blonde lad. Wow. Right, you're in, and you got that point. Next question. The earliest mention of the term dates back to 1688. What is the name for the Russian stringed instrument with a characteristic triangular wooden hollow body and three strings that is often used for Russian folk music and dancing? Oh, crap. I can picture it, but I just... Um, there's, there's a thing that um, we mentioned earlier, that Boney M thing. Uh, there's a thing they they had on that tune, which is the balalaika. Balalaika, balalaika. I'm going to play that. It's a Russian <laughs> instrument, anyway. The balalaika. Balalaika. Well, you should see Jer Slattery's face. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> You've done it to him again, Mike. Unbelievable. Oh, my, <laughs> oh sorry. Were you waiting to come in there? He was poised. He was poised. He was hanging by the gold mouth. Yes, it is indeed the balalaika. Correct. Great answer. Now, two questions to go on the set. The sides are level as we speak. Oh. We're here again, Jar. We're here again. Wow. Right. Second last question of the set. The storming of which building? The official residence of the Russian emperors from 1732 to 1917, which is today the home of the Hermitage Museum, became an iconic symbol of the Russian Revolution. Right. That's the Winter Palace, um, Mark, isn't it? Yeah, I agree with you there, yeah. Okay, Winter Palace, John, St. Petersburg. Yes, indeed. Well, this is the exact opposite last week now, because they're one point up with the last question, Team Red. So here it is. Okay. Since the year 2000, Vladimir Putin has been President of Russia for all but four years. Between 2008 and 2012, he served as the nation's Prime Minister. Who was the President during that four-year term? The man who has surely coincidentally been Prime Minister himself since 2012. Yeah, purely, like, not at all a rigged type <laughs> idea. Um, that would be the poor fellow Medvedev. Correct. And that brings the show to an end. And let us go and check the scores with Clancy. Blue team 23 points. Red team 25 points. So there we go. 25-23 win for the red team. Congratulations, red team. Thank you. Excellent. Well done, guys. Brilliant match. That was well done, lads. Great game. And hard luck to the Blues. Uh, great game, though. You're both two and fro that game. So well done. Good game. Congratulations to Mike and Mark on his debut. Debut win for you, Mark. Well done. Right. Thanks very much. <laughs> and hard luck to Jar and Dan. That is it for us for this week. If you're listening online, don't forget you can stay around and check out some podcast extras. Until that and until next week, have a good one and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. 
Podcast Extra. The Vaganova. Uh, oh, hang on now, we're going to have to podcast extra this. Oh, I bet it was somebody in the Marinsky and he was in the Vaganova. That's a, am I associating that way? The Vaganova Academy of Russian Ballet is located in St. Petersburg. It was known as the Imperial Ballet School from 1738 up until Soviet times. Then it got renamed the Leningrad State Choreographic Institute. Oh. And it got uh, renamed to Vaganova Academy in 1957. <laughs> so I got there by default then. He, he, he managed to pull it he still out. still got there. Yeah. He still got there. Who knows? Who cares? doesn't matter. Mili Bal- mm. Balakirev. Balakirev, yeah. Cesar Kui, Madis Mazursky, and Alexander Borodin. Does anyone want to break now this time? I can't remember. It's, it's, no, it's good. Going You're good? Andrew just wants to correct a few things. Yeah. <laughs> questions you were asking was having palpitations oh no Andrew I'm so sorry if I mispronounced things slightly thanks Michael I'm going to continue I'm going to continue then so he just said Kakatorian which doesn't make Kakatorian he was he called himself Armenian and he didn't ever go to Georgian no but he was born in modern day Georgia even though he was ethnically Armenian I know that that's enough now Continue. Uh, that's why I phrased the question the way I did. Yeah, well done. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think anyway for, for, for posterity. Uh, the Undine line, I think. Right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I'm going to uh, play this thingy and we'll just come back into it now. In 1855, which is based on his own experiences in the Crimean War. Who was that? Mm, Lord. It makes as much sense, I think, as, as any. Let's play Khrushchev. Okay. That's correct. Oh, I thought you were going for the buzzer there. <laughs> Murfsky. Vladimir Murfsky. <laughs> okay, Murfsky. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the, uh, my phone is going bajing, bajing, bajing here. Uh, but uh, just for those who missed it, <laughs> that's the wrong noise. Well, uh, yeah, there we go. Well done, uh, Reds. Well done, Reds. Well Hard done, lose. What a game, though. Brilliant game. Great answer there, like. Yeah. Podcast extra super bonus time. Anybody have a warmer question while we're waiting for Dan? Uh, no. No? Okay, well, if we don't, we don't. It's not what the missus does. Oh, I think Jared does. I have a soccer question for you. Go on. Oh, good. Name the um, the five... Top, how do you, how do you, how do you, the five, the, the five clubs, five English clubs with the most uh, domestic and European trophies. I'm not in this quiz. I'm not five. in this quiz either, so we'll just take it out. Top yeah. five, we'll say. Okay. Uh, I can, I think I can. Yeah. You want us to name all five or are you, are you kind of, we'll go uh, one I'm, at a time. I'm trying to remember them now. Well, uh, now, uh, do you want to get your phone out and verify your five? Uh, no, I have, I have, oh, no, I have, I have, okay. Go on, okay. So, are you sure? I'm positive, yeah. Yeah, okay. I thought it was just something I remember from the Guardian. Okay. All right. Andrew, you no, said... You uh, uh, Genie. Name a big team oh, in England. Name a big... Liverpool. Liverpool, obviously, yeah. are there. Okay, very good. Yeah. Well done, Andrew. So Thank difficult. You. United. Yeah. Manchester United. Yeah. They're both level on 42 now. 
So it's you're saying league titles and European Cups or yeah, European trophies uh, of any kind? European trophies. European trophies. And, okay. and domestic, major domestic trophies, like as in League Cups, FA Cups. Oh my God. Arsenal will be third anyway. That's a huge thing. So, John. Uh, well, Mark just said Arsenal, so I'll just say that. Uh, yes, Arsenal. <laughs> so that's three. Oh, Chelsea. Coming around to. If you're looking Andrew. up that on the phone. Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. Yeah, no, it's totally side. not your goal, Andrew. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yes. Sorry. Because Mike hasn't said anything yet. You know, I'm I'm pondering. Um, I'm just wondering. Uh, okay, yeah. After those, after the top two, it really just jumps out and falls off a cliff. Yeah, it's, it's such a huge gap back to the other teams. Um, I think your your Man Cities are about, or like sixth or seventh or something. And you've said Arsenal. Oh, all right, tell with it. Uh, let's try Chelsea. Yeah, they're fourth. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I think now uh, around to... uh, it I'll get tricky. It's Mark. There's only one left. Um, I know it wasn't a great question when you were <laughs> <laughs> around the table. I'm trying to remember the top question. ten. Yeah, ten answers next time. I'd, re- I'd really have to uh, to bluff it if I remember the top ten, but I know I can't. Hmm. Have you got your phone? I'm going, I'm going to take a guess and say Nottingham Forest. I was going to say that. No. Incorrect. Okay. okay. Andrew? I was going to say them. Well, say something else now. Uh, Tottenham. Hotspur. No. <laughs> All right. I'll try uh, Leeds United. No. Okay. Is it Mike's in Yorkshire? Are we all out? No, uh, Mike's, Mike's going um, to say one now. Okay, I'll take a punt at Villa. Well done, Mike. Hey, yeah. good call. European is the kind of, ah, yeah, back in the day they used to win. They won a shitload of um, FA Cups back in the day as well. Yeah. In the early part of the 20th century, they won. They are high up in the FA Cups. Oh, yeah, they are. I think they might have something in the region of six or seven. Yeah. They have quite a few leagues as well. Yeah. Believe it or not. Yeah. Still no sign of Dan. He's still not online. Oh, come on. Okay. Warm up question number two. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, I'm pinging his. I'm pinging his phone now. We'll see. Maybe he'll pick up. Do 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 do. Oh, hang on. Dan's here. Okay, hey. he's uh, in. Here. So okay. since it's ten past eight, uh, Dan, we're just going to give you no warm up at all. Hopefully, you won't pull a muscle as we get into the game. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> well, he's got no warm up. What a quizzing muscle! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Quizzing yeah. muscles you pull, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You might pull. The brain is a muscle, you know. Come yeah. on. There you go. It is. He might pull his brain, but he's just going to have to risk it for now. Okay, so I'm going to knock down the f- mics. Say goodbye, Andrew and Bye. Linda. Bye. Good luck. I'm team sure Brad. you'll be back at halftime, but anyway, until later. Here we go with the theme tune. <laughs> 